0: It's Politics with Amy Walter on The Takeaway.
1: I called the fake news the enemy of the people, and
2: they are. They are the enemy of the people.
0: For the last four-plus years, Donald Trump has dominated political news coverage. Whether in 140-character Twitter bombs, unwieldy press conferences, or campaign events staged at the White House, his ability to be the center of the story and change the narrative both to his benefit and his detriment has been unprecedented. Part of this has been a furious and sometimes dangerous war with the quote-unquote media.
1: — Read his laptop, and you know who's a criminal? You're a criminal for not reporting it. — You're just a lightweight. Don't talk to me that — Don't talk to. — I'm the president of the United States. Don't ever talk to the president. — It's all a hoax. It's a scam. And you know who helps them? These people right back here, the media.
0: — But Donald Trump's term is winding down, and soon there will be another man in the White House. Joe Biden, of course, is no stranger to this world. He's been in politics for decades and has experience with the White House press corps. And we know that the Obama administration made many questionable and debatable choices in how they handled media and individual journalists. With so much of the 2020 campaign done virtually, Biden was able to avoid much of the traditional back and forth with the press assigned to cover him. And lots of folks criticized the campaign and the media for not pushing harder to get Biden in front of reporters. But we were able to see flashes of his frustration with questions and topics he didn't want to answer. Do you think it was wrong for him to take that position? No.
3: Knowing that it was really because but, but that it, company it, wanted access to you.
2: Well, that's not true. You're saying things you do not know what you're talking about. No one said that. Who said that? Why it why it's Alexander. Why? Why, 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 yeah, why, 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 right. why? Right. You're getting nervous, man. Calm down. It's
0: okay. A core part of Biden's campaign promise was a return to normalcy, and inherent in that is a more traditional communications team and relationship with the press. So what does that mean
2: for newsrooms?
0: This week, we assembled a group of people in the news media who are thinking
2: about just that. My name is Rick Klein. I'm the political director at ABC News.
1: I'm Caitlin Conant, and I'm the political director at CBS News.
3: I'm Ben Smith. I'm the media columnist for The New York Times.
0: Rick and Caitlin were on the show back in August to talk about how their networks were preparing to cover what we knew would be an election like no other. I started out asking them to reflect on how things went.
1: At CBS News, and I think most of the networks did this, but we invested time and resources into covering really what was going on at the state level in terms of getting to source up with secretaries of state know what was happening, what the rules would be, and to prepare and lay the groundwork for the scenario that we did find ourselves in, which is that it was going to come down to Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, where we weren't able to call it on election night. And because of the way that they processed and counted votes, you saw what many described as a red mirage, which appeared that Trump was leading that night because in-person votes, a lot of those voters were Republican, And the mail-in votes, which were from urban, more populated areas, which tended to be Democrat, it took states longer to count those. Between our campaign reporters, Major Garrett, we had covered that a lot. And I'm curious to hear what Rick says next. But I do think there were a lot of people who hadn't been following the ins and outs of this, like we had, um, who were living and breathing this every day. And I think it turned out that many of them went to bed Um, on Tuesday night, thinking one thing. And a few days later, there was a different result. And I can't really fault them for that. What we have to do is continue to explain why that happened um, and to have information out there and have a responsibility to educate. Rick, what about you?
2: It surprises me that it it played out almost exactly like we thought it would. Uh, Election night itself, in terms of the red mirage and the blue shift, that happened. And we said it would happen. We said it a lot on our air. I don't think anything can fully prepare an audience for actually seeing it. We actually made some changes even in the guts of our graphics to try to make sure that we weren't casting forward a result that was inaccurate. And we spent a lot of time on election night, hours, you know, explaining why what you're seeing in terms of the vote coming in isn't necessarily reflective of the final outcome. And then we spent days afterward explaining in detail that I have never seen before on a on television broadcasts the intricacies of what our decision desk was thinking, and what the results were and weren't, and what the legal processes were, and ultimately we were talking about provisional ballots that were cast in a certain way in certain counties in Pennsylvania at a level of detail that, again, if you're watching, it, maybe it goes over people's head. But I think people are really interested in it. And we you know we we spent time on our on, on election night. We had someone working demographic boards. We had someone with exit polls. We had Nate Silver and the 538 team with their analysis. We were again bringing in the different facets of it, and explaining to people over the course of several days, because it wasn't until Saturday, uh, that our network and and Caitlin's network and and other major news organizations projected the presidency for Joe Biden. And I'm I'm very gratified to know that we've told every turn of that story, and frankly, that we haven't overreacted to things that the losing candidate has said and done. You know, we we saw this week that, you know, extraordinary 46-minute Facebook posting highly edited from the white house speech and the president of the United States gives what he says is the most important speech of of his career. And he does it for 46 minutes from the White House. And you know, we covered it as as if it was another, another volley in this. We didn't overreact. We didn't, you know, if you watch David Muir's show that night, you had some light touches around it, but it was basically him giving voice to things that have been disproven in court or that he tweets all the time. It really wasn't that that newsy. And I feel like from our perspective, we've found something of a balance. It's never perfect, it's always difficult in the in the hour by hour. And I'm hopeful that that can continue going forward through this process and then through whoever comes next. Joe Biden will be president on January 20th. We expect that, you know, if President Trump wants to continue his political career and and announce for 2024, he's not going to go away. He's still going to be making a lot of noise. I got a text from my mom just today actually saying, have you guys thought about how you're going to handle him when he's an ex-president and he does these things? (laughs) Because you guys should really think about that. Okay, mom, we're we're thinking about those things.
0: Ben, I want you to weigh in on and And maybe you can help Rick answer his mom's question about, have they thought through this? <laughs> your one of your columns, you ended by saying the question now is whether the electorate and we in the media can break our addiction to the Trump news cycle. What do you think?
3: I mean, i so I wrote like a pretty panicky column in August.. Um, <laughs> like about how we were totally going to screw up the election. And actually, I think people, as he said, did a really, and as Caitlin said, did a, did a pretty good job of being, um, you know, very, very, very explicit and focused on like the mechanics of voting, you know, did as good a job as you can do and still huge chunks of the country don't care and weren't listening. So that's sort of the caveat here. I do actually think maybe to a gr- degree that I didn't even expect that Trump's getting a little boring. I mean, I think it's a lot of this, you know, what is news is a gut sense of what's interesting to you and to your audience. His power is every day seeping away. And it's not as interesting when a former politician tweets crazy stuff as when somebody with enormous power tweets crazy stuff. And he's still the president of the United States. He has enormous power. But, you know, I think the sort of constant challenge in the White House was on one hand, he's saying these crazy things that are you know, that are unlikely to happen and that are out of touch with reality and even with his own administration. And yet he's president of the United States. Um, And so you've sort of got to wrestle with that. I think when he's not president of the United States, it's going to be easier to, to dismiss it. And it isn't, it actually just isn't as interesting and important. I mean, the important story is going to be his, I would say, fight for control of the Republican Party, except that he seems to totally control the Republican Party. And there is a political story that, you know, in the old days of newspapers would live on page, you know, A20 about the sort of like ongoing Donald Trump consolidation of power in the Republican Party and who's going to be the RNC chair and what jobs do his kids get. But that's not that big a story.
0: But I'm going to stick with you for a minute because this was also part of your column. And then I want Rick and Caitlin to weigh in on this, too, about coverage. Now, what's going to be like to cover Joe Biden? First, I would love to get, Ben, your assessment of the media coverage of Biden. I mean, we didn't see a lot of him in 2020. And we know that there were a lot of folks, including many Democrats, who thought that was a good thing, that he was able to kind of, thanks in part to COVID, thanks in part to the fact that Trump took all the political oxygen, he was able to sort of hang out in the background, let the race be a referendum on Trump. We didn't hear him give gaggles. We didn't see him at a, at rope lines. Do you think that that was a mistake, that the press didn't push enough to see Biden enough to to get him... On record to get briefings yeah I
3: mean it's our job to push right like and I think that there definitely there were times when I mean again people were also though there was a press corps camped out you know trying to get questions answered and Biden was ignoring them so there's a limit to what you can do there and also I mean Trump was in fact incredibly open with the press like he gave long rambling press conferences and answered questions that got shouted at him and reacted constantly on Twitter and you know often spoke to his favorite Fox news people but also his administration just leaked like a sieve, and it, which is great, right? And kind of accustomed us to a level of transparency that I'm sure Biden is going to try to walk back. But it's also just true that Trump is this extraordinary phenomenon and story and was a bigger story. Biden was, was a conventional Democrat running with basically conventional Democratic policies and it is important to figure out where he stands on police reform. But it's within a fairly narrow, you know, it's, it's, it's within the old, like, you know, politics being played between the 40-yard lines.
2: I was going to add to that. I mean, I think the degree to which our brains have been rewired by Trump and the Trump era can't be can't be overestimated. There was a headline in Ben's newspaper this week that reported accurately, so far as we know, that that Joe Biden was not planning to fire the FBI director, and I, I thought isn't it? How is that a story? Well, it is a story because Donald Trump did fire the FBI director, but you're not supposed to fire the FBI director. They get ten-year terms. And, you know, Obama kept the FBI director that that he inherited from Bush and gave him an extra two years, in fact. But the fact that we're we now report as news that he won't do something that was that is viewed widely as outrageous and outside, you know, coloring outside the lines tells you how much we're reacting and, and thinking about things differently because of Donald Trump. And that isn't to say that Joe Biden, was, you know, give us as much access as we wanted. Ben's right. We were there every day. It was a, it was a pandemic as well. So it was, you know, it was difficult. Uh, it was easier for him to hide away from us because of the nature of, of what we were dealing with. But to judge Joe Biden by all of the norms that Donald Trump broke, I don't think is fair to Joe Biden or fair to democracy. I, and I think where we have to recalibrate, and I think where our challenge really lies is, is remembering. You know, coming back to where we came at this as journalists, as people who cover politics and, and and believe in the process of of political journalism, that there are norms that that are important to establish and. Just because something that Joe Biden does won't be as outrageous, uh, you know, on a scale of one to ten, it won't even register on on the Trump outrage scale, doesn't mean that we shouldn't be covering it. Doesn't mean that we should be asking questions about it. Doesn't mean we shouldn't be pointing things out to our to our viewers and our readers. And that, to me, is the is the most difficult thing mm-hmm. that we're going to wrestle with: is that we've had four years, five years plus of, of of Trump on the national stage that has just changed our 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 very wiring, the the way we think. Uh, about how a president and a white house produces news now we're going to go back to something that you know is going to be far more traditional but we've got to remember what things were like before trump
0: that's a great question yeah and caitlin i do want you to weigh in on that especially as you pointed out you have these embeds right um both uh the networks have embeds M- maybe this was their first campaign. You have reporters who now covering Washington, who 2016 might have been their first campaign. This is normal to them.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, just from a totally process standpoint, putting my old communications hat on for a minute. (laughs) But I think, you know, we had a president um, who was his own chief strategist, his own media (laughs) advisor and communications director and that is going to change and we're already seeing it with traditional rollouts um, from president elect biden and they are giving certain outlets scoops and they're floating trial balloons um, to put people's names out there for cabinet positions to see to test the waters on how they're received whereas for the past four years we've all been living on twitter to see if the president's gonna fire someone or what he's gonna say that day and he was making his own news so I think just from a news gathering and consumption standpoint, things are going to be very different for us and for the public. And I think just as candidates and lawmakers need to have know who they are, have a message, know their audience. I think we need to know who our audience is, because we're going to have to say, OK, if we want to break news and be in a spot to roll something out, what do we have to like, mm-hmm. what can we provide that other, others can't? And what do we want to invest in? Because I think a lot of the issues, what, what I expect is news organizations are probably going to beef up their Hill teams and policy teams, um, because a lot of news is going to be breaking at an agency level and what negotiations are happening between the White House and the Senate and You know, so far I think the transition team seems pretty disciplined and it's a traditional communications operation to the extent that there's squeaky wheels who are leaking news, it's probably gonna be coming from elsewhere. And so I think those are all new things when we've been dealing with, you know, really the principal being the deliverer of all news and making his own decisions every step of the way. And I think that's just gonna be something that was normal before, and we're gonna see, you know, get accustomed to again.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. This idea that you no longer have to have 16 people on rotation at the White House, and instead redeploy those people. I mean, is that what you're already starting to do is to say, we don't we don't need this level of we're not going to need this level of coverage at the White House.
1: We're just starting to at least at CBS, you know, thinking about what happens to all campaign reporters and beyond um, having discussions about where to, you know, what to do with them next. And I think, policy and agencies and the Hill, um, you know, given what they've done, putting them on some of those beats that we haven't had us covered would make a lot of sense. Ben, do you think
0: that interest now in politics, it goes back to being boring once again, and it's just dorks like us who love covering politics that stay in it, but that this idea that politics can dominate our lives in the way it has for the last four years, regular people being engaged in it. Is that is that era over now? Well, I think
3: two, there are two things. One is, I do think that people have been, you know, feel that politics in the United States can go really off the rails, can really change, that this, this, the realm of possibility and imagination is much wider than they thought. And it can either be really inspiring if, if you support Trump or really scary if you don't. And I don't think that feeling is going to go away. I think the idea that, you know, politics is like this sport that you can watch for fun, but doesn't really have an impact on your life is something that people no longer feel. And that are and when you try to ex- talk about politics that way, I think a lot of our audience are kind of disgusted by it, actually, the sort of horse race stuff. On the other hand, I think day to day, yeah, I think people are going to not be interested in the negotiations on Capitol Hill and the like, you know, outrage that there were only six votes in committee and that's this incredible (laughs) violation then actually we got to switch sides and we're in favor of there being six votes in committee and all this stuff that's so complicated and process driven that it's hard to understand for regular people and also you know the um Hollywood hasn't released any new movie like well there was a a couple of movies maybe people saw Tenet but that's about it in theaters for a year but there's this huge stockpile of entertainment that is just sitting there in the studios waiting for theaters to reopen for theatrical reopenings production until on Entertainment TV stopped for months in the spring. It is back up and running. I mean, I think there's going to be a lot better content coming out next year than politics, and people are going to have a lot to tune into.
0: <laughs> or is it going to be all politics-related content? I mean, are there going to be 46 different Trump bi- biopics, or are people going to be over so. it? Does
3: anybody want to watch that? I don't. I think we all. I mean, I think Trump sort of defied, you know, fiction, right? Like, I know, I don't. I think that there's going to be a ton of like great entertainment coming out next year, and people are going to tune out. And then, you know, I mean, all I want to do is read like travel stories for summer 2021. Mm.
2: And, and Amy, I, I, to add on that, I mean, Joe Biden built his campaign on that calculation, essentially, that, that people didn't want to have to worry about the president tweeting in the middle of the night. And like the, uh, Obama said it at a bunch of rallies towards the end, wouldn't it be nice if you didn't have to think about your president every day? And it seems like such a basic thing, but You know, he has become so much of the the news diet for everybody that uh, and Biden probably benefited, at least on the margins, from the perception that, you know, like him or not, I won't have to worry about him, you know, starting a Twitter war with somebody randomly and and just you know that that slower pace it may frustrate us in the news business because we'd love every white house to leak like a sieve we'd love to to you know the, the palace intrigue stories they're they're catnip they're terrific stories there's so much great reporting that's happened at, at and around the white house these last couple of years i mean just incredible stuff stuff you never ever get out of any white house that's come out and i anticipate there's not going to be anything like it again for a while. The Biden world isn't going to be like that. And we're going to be back to, you know, a much more managed. And we'll be frustrated by it at times. And I, no doubt that White House reporters will, you know, be calling for more access and sound off about things that are that are walled off. But then, you know, the, the, the Biden team's calculation is well, let's go back to the way things were. And people sort of liked it that way. And if they're not thinking about politics every waking minute, that that's on, on net a good thing.
0: You guys, I could keep this conversation going for a long time, but we don't have forever. But I appreciate it so much. Rick Klein, Caitlin Conan, Ben Smith, thank you guys so much. Great to thank be you. with you. Thanks, Amy. After dominating news coverage for the last four years... It's sometimes hard to remember what life was like before Donald Trump entered the White House. The constant chaos and drama was both a frustration and a boon for the media industrial complex. Lots of political reporters, traditionally the -the behind-the-scenes types, are now household names, thanks to their ubiquitous presence on cable TV. Subscriptions to many big national newspapers skyrocketed. The voracious appetite for all things Trump launched websites and podcasts and YouTube channels, But with Trump gone, what will fill this vacuum? Let's hope that news organizations use all this talent they've amassed to really dig into and explain the critical challenges that face this country. We're still in the middle of a pandemic. The latest jobs reports show a slowing in the economic recovery. Americans are hopeful about the prospect of a vaccine in the near future, but access to it is going to be a major concern and issue. On January 20th, a new person will enter the White House. And this provides a new opportunity for news organizations to break their addiction to personality and palace intrigue and to focus instead on how Washington is or isn't working on the very real problems that are sitting right in front of us.